Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. So take this big story, and it's going to go into several pieces, a couple of points I want to point out, and I believe the Lord is speaking to us through this, through this word, and the word of God is amazing, amen? It's very important that we practice reading it outside of our church, not just for the short time being that the preacher is preaching, but uh, just on your own. Mark 5, verse 21 through 43. When Jesus again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Many can relate to that perhaps. And had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought... She caught a thought. If, just tu- if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. So she, just when she touched him, Jesus felt the power gone out, of it, gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Do not be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Seems like it was late already, right? He went in and said to them, While this commotion and wailing, this child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. So they laughed at Jesus. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something like from locals, some chicken wings. I just wanted to make sure we were listening to the word. (laughs) Something to eat. 
And I almost titled this uh, message, you know, Get Up, because I thought that was the climax of the story, right, of the girl getting up. And I've, I've shared this before, I want to say a couple of years ago. The Spirit of God just moved to go there again and expand a little bit. I believe we will be able to receive something today. So I want us to focus on verse 40 and 41. So while, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him, you know. And who are they? Who are they that laughed? You know, those negative, doubting people, just unbelieving, faithless people, you know, that light up the room, you know, when they walk out. You know what I'm talking about? Or for every, you know, solution, they will have a problem. There's people like that around us, and we got to be aware of that. But I love how it says, after he, Jesus, had put them all out, you know. He said, all you, get out. And even Jesus had to clear the room, right, from certain individuals in order for him to perform a miracle. And so before she got up, before the girl got up, certain things needed to get out. You know, perhaps you've been telling yourself certain things to get up in your life, like you're speaking into them. But I believe maybe this is the season in your life where you need to start checking your environment. Things that could potentially be affecting the faith. The things that are stopping the miracles from happening in your life. And it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be spiritual things. So, first I want to briefly touch on the connection between two of these people, Jairus and this woman. Now, on the surface, right, it looks like there's no, nothing, any, anything connected at all. Um, but what I love is that, how many of you know that we're all connected, right? One of the Sundays, I believe, I've shared about our connections. Sometimes you'll meet one person, and they will lead you to that person. And that person that connected you was there for just a brief moment. But then you established a new best friend through that person. So stories merge, you know, testimonies intersect and things like that. It's amazing. And we have that. The power of testimonies is so powerful. We have women sharing their stories at, you know, women's uh, uh, times where she tells her story. That's the ministry. And us at the carnivore night. And you think like, man, how can you get a guy to talk? Well, that's a good question. Come and see. <laughs> right? And... Um, and the reason Mark has strategically placed two of these stories, right, of Jairus and this woman, because they are connected. And in fact, to talk about Jairus and not to talk about the woman, I would believe would do injustice to the text or the context of the, you know, the story. Because two of them are connected. But not on the surface, right? Not on the surface. If we look at the sur uh, on the surface, you know, starting with biology one-on-one, right? Jairus is a man. She's a woman. Pretty straightforward there. You know, Jairus is given a name in the text, right? There's Jairus. And then the Bible doesn't even mention this woman's name. Jairus is honored and respected. This woman is shamed and rejected. Yeah. And Jairus is a ruler of synagogue, pretty much modern-day pastor, if you want, so to speak. Um, yeah. But this woman can't even come near a synagogue. So Jairus probably, I'm assuming, was financially okay or well off. But she spent all her money on doctors and didn't even do them, do, didn't do her any good. So they had nothing in common on the outside, if we look at it. But yet life has put them in the exact same place and at the, in the same posture. <laughs> if you think about it, just a collection of us here today, right? From different stories, but yet we're at the feet of Jesus. So, but the situations in their lives, the difficulties in their life has put them in the exact same place. Same posture. Because they've been both hit with something they cannot handle. All right? Yeah. 
she's suffering for 12 years of just inner bleeding happening. And, and then we got a guy whose daughter is dying any second now, right? Jairus, synagogue leader. But how many know that life will do that to you? You know, life will come out of nowhere and just like hit you with something you don't expect. You know, life has a way of uh, leveling playing field for everyone. And so people could have different status, financial incomes, but then they all come broken before Jesus. And that's really powerful. And this is what's happening here. But, you know, life will definitely do that to you. It can hit you with some things that you didn't expect. Uh, financial things, something in the family, health, unexpected surprises of some sorts, whatever it may be. You know, and it can hit you, and it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, you know, how educated you are. You can have more degrees than a thermometer and be like, yeah, I'm educated. And that's not going to get you where, because when things hit you in life, it's going to be hard sometimes. And that's where we need Jesus. This is the time for work, for job, for, uh, job for Jesus. Amen? So... If you are in that situation right now, and perhaps you do have certain things in your life, and you feel it, and you're like, man, I just don't know, Lord. I'm at this desperate stage. You know, my only strength can come from you. And that is the very most powerful thing in our life when we think it's the worst situation. But really, this is a window of opportunity for us, for our spirit to stay connected. I was talking to Pastor Mark the other day. I'm like, man, I notice when I'm fasting, my, my spiritual self, it feels better. Or the other week when I was sick, I was just miserable. But for some reason, spiritually, I just felt, wow, what's going on? I can understand things. Because your spirit, when you're our physical body, uh, when it's suffering, uh, other aspects begin to, uh, you know, have more focus. In your spiritual realm, you're starting to understand more things. You start to value more. You start to understand that how good does it feel not to have a cold? <laughs> how good does it feel, you know, just to be healthy? And so, anyways, um, but I wanted to say, but neither of them had a pretty way to Jesus. You know, Jairus nor this woman. Both had physically had to push people out the way because we just read, right? There's a huge crowd. And so, but I know that a lot of times when we pray, personally myself, you know, we want God to answer us right away, like Amazon Prime, but, you know, just, come on, Lord, 24 hours, I need to see an answer. But we know that God is sovereign, and he uses every situation in our life for his good. But every once in a while, you have to kind of fight for something that Lord has laid in your heart, and you've been asking God for something, and you have to technically push certain things out the way in your life in order to get to that. And I believe this is what's happening in this story, you know, and I can imagine, you know, Jairus is like, walking and he's a pastor and everybody knows him and he's like hey Jairus great message oh great thank you I appreciate it move and he's just moving people out the way there's I mean there's crowd I mean his daughter is dying think about it right what a desperate situation and with the woman right she was ceremonially unclean technically uh, she wasn't supposed to touch anyone and I can guarantee you I mean it doesn't say in the text but she probably was moving pushing people out the way she was touching everybody at that desperate state in her life she just got sick of it you know she was like that's it I, I had enough why I believe is desperation this is one of my first points I want to point out desperation that's why I believe Jairus and this woman were pushing everybody out the way because desperate people do desperate things you know there's that phrase right desperate times call for a desperate measure this is, this is one of those. I can imagine if my 
kid was, you know, dying, choking on something, I would do everything I can. I would jump in the car. I wouldn't care how fast I'm driving. I'd be getting to that point, to the hospital. You know, I would have talked to police officer at the hospital. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but when you're desperate for God to do something in your life, perhaps you've been praying about, you know, whether it's addiction of some sort or any kind of a struggle, uh, it's very important to deal with it, not just to set it aside. Because God wants to help us overcome everything, right? We are more than conquerors in Christ. And as we are building our faith, you know, building blocks in our life for the stage of our church right now, it's very important for us to understand that, that we have to look into certain things and set them aside and push them out the way in order for God to do something. So, but when you're desperate, you know, people, you show up to church differently. I notice when you have a difficult situation, you're like, you'll hear a song on the radio and you're like, oh Lord, that is you speaking to me and things like that. Your, your focus is different. You show up to church differently and you, you don't even need a worship team to tell you to lift up your hands. Yeah, I mean, you'll just be worshiping. You don't care if you have a fancy mascara on. You'd be like, yeah, Jesus, letting all that go down. It doesn't matter because you're desperate, right? Desperate people do desperate things. That you cry out to the Lord differently. And so, and because this is the stage where I believe this is only, you know that if you already tried, went to a doctor, you've tried this or that, and you're doing everything you can, and you're already out of options. This is the time for God to do his work. And you know that, Lord, there's only something you can do in this situation, not me, not, not by any work. So desperation, I want to continue on a little bit about desperation when it comes to in our spiritual state, will cause us to zone in our focus on what is important in our life. There's something about desperation and brokenness, um, and Pastor Sid hit up on that a little, uh, really well last week as well, that causes heaven to open up, right? Uh, when we looked at... Uh, the guy, oh my goodness, forgot his name. Gideon, thank you. I look at Gideon a lot of times, I see myself, and I'm like, I'm not sure, Lord, I don't think I got it. But the brokenness, humility before the Lord, is like when you're out of option, this is time for God to move in in your life, amen? And we look at it, right, Jonah, there's a story of Jonah. He, God told him to go to Nineveh. He was like, nah, I'm going to go, I'm going to run away because those, those people are the enemies of my people. And he didn't want to do it, but still, situation through difficult situation, what happened was he was on the boat, and the storm came up, and he needed to, he finally realized, I'm causing the storm. <laughs> so God moved the heavens for the sake of that. And so they had to pretty much get him out of the boat into the sea in order for everybody else to survive. And, uh, and he finally, you know, when he uh, got out of the boat, immediately it was calm. But look at it. And he was in the belly of a big fish. I mean, we assume it's a whale. It says big fish. Um, and he was uh, crying out to God. And I love that when he, got, when he started crying out to God, when he finally got to that desperate state, guess what happened? The fish spit him out. He, immediately he was released. Uh, there's also another story uh, in Second Chronicles, uh, King Jehoshaphat. Okay? Um, he was in a desperate situation. There were three armies coming against him. And they were outnumbered. They knew they were going to just get annihilated. And what did they do? They're like, well, we have nothing else. We just got God. We're just going to start worshiping God. And a lot of the times, that's the only thing you can do is just in that desperate stage and start worshiping God and start, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to raise these kids. I don't know. Now my kids hit a teenage stage, whatever. They started driving. Lord, I'm, I don't know what to do. Desperation will cause you 
to get closer to God. Those are the situations in our lives. This is what happens. Um, so they began worshiping God, and somehow those three armies that were against the Israel annihilated each other. They just killed off each other. That's what God does in our lives when we are desperate for him and we allow him to move in our lives. We just, all we can do is worship God. We're like, Lord, we don't know what to do. I'm just going to worship him. And, and often God will use the desperation to drive us into our purpose in our life. And I like this phrase, I've said it before, desperation is a door that a breakthrough walks through, okay? I want us to remember that. Desperation is a breakthrough that a doorway, or a door that a breakthrough walks through, all right? Uh, one of the great big evangelists in the world, some people may know, Reinhard Bonnke, he now passed away. And he did the biggest crusades. We're talking about, like if you ever looked at the image of him on stage, and it's just crowds. And he ministered mostly in Africa. And he, he had just hundreds of thousands gathered at once and things like that. And it's phenomenal. And um, one time he was asked, you know, where's your favorite place to preach? And he said, you know, the effectiveness of preaching in ministry has little to do with the address or destination of the place. But everything to do with the attitude and disposition of people in the place. And he goes on saying, I would rather be stuck on the basement of three desperate people for God, uh, uh, three desperate people for God than a crowd at a beach with people who think they got it all together. You know? And he says, like, give me desperate people and signs and wonders will show up. You look at it, right? And you hear some of those miracles that happen. And you look at the crowds of certain you know, places like Africa. People are like half naked, barely have any clothes and food to eat, and God is showing up. Desperation. Desperation for God. And it's hard for us to imagine because in our lives we have it pretty much all together, much better than other countries. But it's good for us to just focus in a little bit and understand there's certain things that are inside of us that we haven't dealt with. Perhaps unforgiveness, you know, perhaps you're struggling with depression, anxiety, things like that. It's very important that you give it all up to before the Lord. You know, there's no magic button, but all you need is surrender. You're broken heart. Amen? Amen. All right. So here we, we get back to this, you know, situation. Jairus gets uh, to Jesus first. He, he got to him first. He was desperate because his baby girl is dying, right? And he sounded like probably a 911 call person. Jesus, need you to hurry up. Come on, my daughter's dying. And I want to go back to verse 22. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So he's broken. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So this woman is just as desperate, this woman, right, with the issue of blood. But her situation is chronic. It's been going for a while, 12 years. And I want to go to the next point real quick for us to understand. Awareness of God's authority. This is very important for us to understand, to receive our healing in our life, to move in that direction, to finally get what we need from the Lord is awareness of God's, of God's authority. Now I'll give some scripture to back it up. So I'm not just making this up out of my head. <laughs> All right. So Jesus says, you know, I have the power and authority to handle whatever it is that you're facing in your life right now. God's authority. Why is it important? Your awareness of God's authority will determine how much you receive from him. Often, right, we reduce this text to simply that you know, it's the faith problem. Because Jesus said, you know, daughter, your faith has healed you. So, so we say, hey, you just, you just need more faith. If you're not getting that, you just need more faith. And don't get me wrong, faith is important. Faith is very critical. 
faith is a substance of things hoped for, right? And evidence of things not seen. So faith is very important. Faith is our anchor. Now, but no one takes the anchor and throws it into, into the water by itself, right? It needs to be connected to something. Otherwise, you're going to lose the anchor. And so you better connect it or tie it to something. So, and I believe in that robe, that connection of anchor is awareness of God's authority. All right? And I'll expand a little bit more. You'll understand. So my faith is connected to his authority. The authority of his word. The authority of his power. Right? Uh, that's what faith has to be connected to the awareness of God's authority. Um, if you don't believe that God is the ultimate authority, then your faith will struggle. It's very important for us to understand. Some of you think, you know, you have a faith problem. No, your faith is good. You believe on the Lord, your faith is good. You don't have a faith problem. You might have an awareness of his authority problem, right? Because if you don't know that if he's the ultimate authority, like that God can do all things, your faith will struggle as well. And then, obviously, some more scripture behind that. Uh, Mark 4.35, remember when the disciples were on the boat, right? And there's a wind. I'm just going to highlight on that passage for the sake of time. Um, and the wind, the waves were just going crazy. And Jesus in the back of the boat. What was he doing during the storm? Sleeping. <laughs> and they're like, the disciples come up like, Jesus, don't you care if we're about to die? Like the, literally there's water splashing everywhere. Think about it, right? But I love how Jesus just gets up and he's probably sleepy, I'm assuming, because he was sleeping, obviously. He gets up with his sovereign swag and just <sighs> yawns and just like, peace. And things calm down, right? And the disciple, and immediately calmed down. Everything immediately calmed down. And the disciples pretty much jaws were on the floor. They're like, what just happened? You know, because it was instant. And they said, who is it that even the wind and the waves obey him? So that is the authority that Christ has. We also sung that song, which was pretty amazing, that God has given that, that authority, right? The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead now lives in us. Amen? But they marveled, marveled at his authority. Uh, and what did Jesus say to them? What did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, you have a little faith. Your faith is little because you don't know who I am. All right? Because if you knew who I really was, you should have wondered, why was I sleeping during such an event? Right? <laughs> if that storm ain't bothering Jesus, it's not going to bother me. Scoot over, Jesus. I'm taking a nap with you. Right, in there, right next to you. Right? We're singing also that song. If I'm not dead, God's not done. So... If you're not dead, God's not done. Have the peace in the mind, despite of what you're feeling in your storm right now. Because, you know, pretty much we say, Lord Jesus, if you aren't stressed out, I'm not going to stress, uh, stress out about it either. And how many of us know God is not stressing out over the things that we're stressing about? It's good for us to understand that sometimes. Because we think, like, oh, this problem, like, Jesus must be, you know, stressing out about it. But no. He already knows how this story ends. Amen. He's got the power. He's got the authority. Amen. And so you know that there's nothing that can stand that can come against you because you are his child. He's gotten taken care of. And when I know that he is the ultimate authority, my faith can go to another level. All right. I want to stay here a little bit about awareness of God's authority here. Um, so pretty much I'm going to use three examples again. So Jairus got a house call from Jesus pretty much. And that was his awareness of authority. He was a pastor. So he's like, hey, uh, Jesus, um, this position, my daughter's about to die. Can you come to my house, please? I got the worship music playing. 
Everything's set up. Everything's calm. Just, you know, just come and lay your hands. And that was his awareness of his authority, okay? That was his level. This woman was on a little bit next level. Because remember she said she thought, she thought if she would just touch the cloak, she would be healed. And that was her awareness of authority. And she got that, right? Now, I want to mention this passage, Luke chapter 7, there's a, a centurion. I don't know if you remember that. From Luke chapter 7, and I'm just going to highlight a little bit, but in Luke 7, verse 6, I want to point that out a little bit. So his awareness of God's authority was like completely on the next level, that even Jesus was amazed. I mean, it, you think about it, right? To amaze Jesus, the Son of God, who's got it, <laughs> he's the Son of God. But Luke 7, verse 6, he was not far from the house. So pretty much what happened, Centurion, um, he was in charge of, I believe, 100 people, right? Or so in the army. And I love that because he tells Jesus that he understands authority. He's like, I understand I have people under me, over me, things like that. I understand authority. And his people loved him so much. He was a really good leader. And then he, uh, his people understand that he has a servant that is ill. And they loved him so much, they came to Jesus and telling him about it, right? So I want to pick it up from verse 6. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him. So he's telling Jesus, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. I mean, this guy is really humble, even though he's in a leadership position, but he understands. But Jesus, say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I myself, a man under authority, with soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. All right? So, and that's what he got. He understood the power of God's authority. Just one word. And what did Jesus say about this centurion, right? Look at verse 9, Luke 7, 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. <laughs> I love it. Jesus was amazed at this guy. And turning to the crown, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And so then says, the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Never have I seen such faith in Israel. Love that. That's Jesus talking about this guy. Jesus is bragging on this guy's faith. Jesus marveled at his faith because centurion understood the awareness of God's authority. Amen? So, you may not have a faith problem. It just may be the awareness of his authority. So just let's keep that in our mind. And I want to use one example. If, if you don't believe that someone has the ultimate authority, you know, you will doubt them. You will, you will doubt the validity of their words, right? Um, I, have you ever been on the phone with uh, like a mid-level employee? You're trying to figure out a few things and um, and you're just on the phone going back and forth. Nobody does that? Okay. Y'all super saved. <laughs> I do that a lot. When I get in this situation, I'm like, may I speak with the manager? Like, ever use that phrase? And um, I happen to be using that sometimes and often because I also work in, you know, dealing with customers and things like that. And, but sometimes you're on the phone and you're just getting just really unprofessional service. You know that it's not exceptional service. And you're just like, man, I just need to... I need to speak with somebody in the position, in the ultimate authority, right? And so I remember in college, I was interpreting often, you know, in conferences. And uh, one church regularly invited me and uh, my friend. They would, in advance, 
would uh, reserve a hotel for us. So whenever we'd show up, we already you know we had a room and everything like that. And one time I show up and the lady's like looking up and she's like, I'm sorry, sir, there's nothing I can do. We are overbooked. There's nothing left. And I'm like, I'm sorry, can you please check again? She's like, no, 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 I'm sorry, there's nothing. We're overbooked, all right? So she just keeps going at it like nothing's happening. And, uh, and then I'm like, ma'am, can I speak with a supervisor, a manager, you know? And then this girl comes out, and she's like, oh, Mr. Fonov, good to see you. How you doing? Girl, move. And she just moves out the way. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Vic. The, you know, she's a new gal. She doesn't understand a few things. She's like, here, let me take care of you here. And she's like, in fact, for all your trouble... Um, we're going to uh, uh, upgrade you to executive suite. And I'm like, I like this. This is good. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how did I go from being on the street to an executive suite? <laughs> because somebody knew which buttons to press. Somebody in authority could make that happen. All right? So, and I just hope that today we get this urgency that we get so annoyed with the devil and what he's been doing in our lives, perhaps in our marriages and our family, friends and things like that. And you see marriages destroyed that you get so fed up and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to today, I'm going to from this day on, I'm going to talk to the supervisor, the ultimate supervisor, right? Who knows everything. He's got the ultimate authority to handle any situation in our lives, any situation, you know. And so she says, I need to pretty much speak to the father in heaven. And I love that, you know. For so think about it. For 12 years, right, I've been speaking with mid-level doctors. She's thinking, like, and nothing, nothing happened. Now I'm going to have an appointment with a real doctor. I love it. So um, Jairus, now remember, right, Jairus got, got to Jesus first. And, uh, but don't forget that. So while Jairus was walking, this woman interrupted. So her healing, this woman's healing was an interruption uh, to Jesus' journey to Jairus' house, all right? And don't forget that Jairus got to Jesus first. They, I mean, so they agreed. And so the challenge for Jairus now is to get Jesus to, through the crowd to this house before his daughter died. And the, the text kind of suggests us that he lost, it in, you know, he lost Jesus in the crowd. I mean, in verse 24, it talks about it. Uh, but look at verse 30, the same chapter. Um, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And they're like, you see people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who done it. Can you imagine at this point for a second what's going through Jairus' mind, right? Jairus finds Jesus first, and they're walking, you know. And here a bunch of people are crowding. There's so many people touching. And Jesus stops and like, stop. Who touched me? And the disciples like, Jesus, there's a lot of people here, Okay. And he's like, and I can just see Jairus' head just kind of feeling like, really? Who touched you? Jesus, can we hurry up? And uh, it's like, this is an emergency. And he makes Jairus wait. Okay, so Jesus makes Jairus wait. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. And notice this. She says, she told him the whole truth. Another translation says that she told him the whole story. All right, <laughs> so she told Jesus her whole story. Ladies, I love you, but, you know, if you got a woman telling you her whole story, you know, <laughs> get yourself a comfortable chair. <laughs> it's going to go for a while. Get a guy to tell you his story. <laughs> He'll be like, no, I'm good. <laughs> That's a challenge for you if you can do that. Um, 
But I can see just Jairus is just at this point, he's just frustrated, like, what's going on? My daughter can die any, at any point. Like, girl, get your miracle and go. We got my, I got my daughter dying, you know. But, and Jesus is just taking his time. Taking his time. Just put yourself in that position right now, right? Jesus is making Jairus wait. But isn't it frustrating when God makes you wait for your miracle? Yeah. Yeah, and you, you told him so many times in your prayers and just praying out, Lord, I need a miracle. Now, Jairus has to watch somebody else get that miracle before, before him. And imagine that right there. He's standing there and he's like, oh, you got healed? Yay. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, think about it in that state where your daughter is dying. It's like, praise the Lord, Jesus, can we go now? <laughs> nope, she's telling her whole story. It's funny, right, until, until, until it's us, until it's you, waiting to be healed. You know, w- waiting other people get healed before you. Waiting to have a baby. You know, there's people that struggle and they can't get pregnant. And you see other people posting pictures of their babies and they look cute and everything like that. Or, you know, some people struggle to get married. And they're watching other people get married. And like, she got married, Jesus? Really? You know, some people are like, but, you know, God does not discourage us. No, no, no. It's actually exact opposite. God is doing that to show us that if he can do that for him, and you're questioning that person, he can do that for you. To build up, not to discourage you, amen. The same God that blessed them, provided for them, he can provide for you. He can bless you. He can touch that area in your life. But sometimes we just get caught up in this comparison. You know, Lord, bless them with this house in the fancy neighborhood. And I want that, Lord. I want this car. If somebody got an Escalade, I got to get an Escalade. There really are people out there. I, I don't believe this is us. We're, we're really cool over here. Um, but it can happen. Comparison. It can be with a little thing. I'm not saying, you know, you can look at other things. You can look at somebody's financial state and be like, why am I at this light? Uh, I am a lot younger uh, I'm a lot older than that person, but he's way more successful. We can get caught in this comparison. It's very important that we understand that this is not to discourage us because everybody's got a story to tell, right? God is writing your story. God is writing their story. So everybody's got a different pathway to Jesus. But what I love is that, right, Jairus and this woman both wanted the same thing. Both wanted a healing. But Jairus didn't get a healing, right? He got a resurrection. I mean, that's... That's amazing. Which sounds awesome until you realize the prerequisite for resurrection is death. Right? I mean, like. So that's pretty intense. But imagine this, right? While, while Jairus is waiting, you know, they tap him on the shoulder. And they say, Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why bother with the teacher anymore? You know, I felt Jairus' pain right there. And... Um, Maybe because of my dad, just thinking about it, just finding out like you wanted something. And miracle happened before you, but for somebody else. But it became clear to me at this point that, you know, Jairus had horrible friends. And I'll explain why. Hashtag worst friends ever. Why? I mean, it's not because of anything they said. They said what, what they said was a fact that, you know, the daughter died. But the commentary that they added after, you know. Why bother with the teacher anymore? You know, 
had to use that voice. They just, certain people annoy me because they, those are the people that want to drain your faith. Like, why are you bother? Why are you bother praying about it? If your Jesus is alive, he would have done it by now. You know, but this is the time where Jesus is like, grabs his hand and says, Jairus, don't give up. Don't give up. Just believe. He just kept saying, just believe. Just believe. And in other words, you know, the people were trying to say, hey, Jairus, throw in the towel. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. This is time for me to step in. When you're broken. And God was working specifically with Jairus' faith on the next level. So see how everybody has a different story. And God has a way of working with every individual in so many ways. He is sovereign God, right? He can take any situation in our life and turn it for his good. And so, and he's like, that's it. Jairus, don't worry. Let's go. Just believe. Just believe. I don't even imagine the kind of walk that happened right there because he already knows his daughter's dead. He probably didn't want to go back to his house. The guy just found out that his daughter's dead. It's over. And Jesus is like, just believe. Just believe. Come on. So today, I believe God is taking your hand, you know. He wants to say, hey, just believe. You've struggled with this. You've struggled with that. But this is the time that God wants to touch you, wants to set you free. Because I don't believe God wants us to live in this life and struggle with, you know, uh, addictions and sins or anything like that. Or even physical things that are physical things, you know, like our health is struggling. We can come before Jesus. Desperation before God is the key that unlocks things in our life when we just really get downright desperate say Jesus only you can do it amen we're going to wrap this up right now we're going to have the worship team come up I just believe God is more than the teacher okay I mean Jesus is more than the teacher right he's a healer he's a way maker we were singing that today miracle worker even death couldn't stop him and he what, what happened when Jesus died on the cross he went and took the keys from the hell. He has the keys to eternity, eternal life. He's got the ultimate authority. If he's got the ultimate authority, he has your situation, which you think is impossible to take on. Jesus can handle it. Jesus can help you in that. And if your faith is struggling right now, you're struggling with some things, I really encourage us today to receive prayer. We're going to worship God. So I don't want you to feel rushed or, you know, we talked about when you're, you know, when you're desperate, right? You don't care about how people look at you, how much you, pr how you pray and things like that. I just want us to take this time as we worship God, we want to be able to pray for you. So uh, we're a family here. Please don't miss this opportunity. I don't believe in accident. I don't believe, I don't believe it's, it's an accident that this word is being spoken. I truly believe God wants to set your feet on solid ground as you move stronger in his faith. Any kind of doubt or anything like that. That's why Jesus, right here, very end, I want to read that. Verse 38. When they came home, we came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. So you think this is done. It's not. He went in and said to them, Why all the commotion and wailing? This child's not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. People will still laugh at you, you know, for believing in certain things that you thought were way over. But you see, unbelief will always laugh at the language of faith. When God is moving, stirring something up, you just know that, God, you got this. Despite of how I'm feeling, despite of what people are saying. But I love that. What Jesus ended up doing, what? He had to get them out of there. Look at verse uh, 41. He took her by the hand. Oh, uh, verse 40, I uh, apologize. But they laughed at him. He says, oh, you think this is funny, right? You think this is funny. 
And all, all those who left, he said, get out, get out. There's certain things that I believe God is speaking specifically today. He wants you to deal with, to get them out of your life in order for certain things to get up in your life, for his call to happen in your life, for you to receive the healing, for you to receive deliverance. Amen. And we're going to tell fear to get out, anxiety, worry, stress. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.